You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thanks, man. Karen, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Charlie. And I was super excited about this announcement coming from the BC government because we've been hearing a lot of events not being able to operate because they just don't have enough money, obviously the impact of COVID. So recently, the BC government announced $30 million to support fairs, events, and festivals. So what do you make of this announcement? What does this mean for the future of events in our city? Well, I think it's it's good news. I think it will be sprinkled you know, across the province. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to be $30 million for Vancouver alone, but uh, I think it will. Uh, the one thing is, is these events and festivals, they tend to employ quite a few people. Like, you get a lot for the dollar because a lot of the expenditure is on staffing or on entertainment, and it's money that circulates through the province. But the backdrop of this is... The Premier David Eby basically inherited a 5.7 billion, you know, or like 5.7 billion dollar surplus uh, from John Horgan, like a massive amount of money. And the problem that Eby faces is if you don't spend it by the end of the fiscal year, March 31st, um, it has to go to debt repayment, which some people may support. But at the same time, if you're a politician trying to uh, in support and you're a new premier um so that's kind of you know where the 500 million dollar rental protection fund the uh you know 500 million in affordability credits so so we're getting big ticket items like that um a billion dollars for a municipal infrastructure fund so within the context of that we've got 30 million here which is still a substantial amount of money for uh, fairs festivals and events and one of the things I so so basically what it is is grant amounts will be as much as twenty percent of the total event budget, which is quite significant, up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And one of the people who was praising this in the government news release was Mark Zuberbuhler, who's the president of the Vancouver Folk Music Festival Society, which I find quite interesting because the Folk Fest. They canceled this summer's event. They were going to wind down the society because of financial challenges. Um, the Folk Fest takes place at Jericho Beach Park, which is in the Premier's own riding of uh, Vancouver Point Grey. And then he's praising this exciting announcement for the sector. And uh, there's been no no announcement of any money going to the to the Folk Festival from this fund to date. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happens and and whether this um, funding package will actually go to help save the Vancouver Folk Music Festival, which is in its 45th year. Wow, long time then, yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Now, Charlie, this next one I want to talk to you about, it's been really getting to me, but we've been hearing the term tip inflation. It's basically this idea that British Columbians in particular, there was a poll that was released this morning, they feel the pressure to have to tip everywhere. For instance, I was talking about it earlier this morning. I went to a bakery to go buy some bread, and then I was looking at the machine, and it asked me to give a tip. And I was going, wait, what? Here? I understand at a restaurant someone's providing you a service, but where do we draw the line here? Charlie, and what do you make of this situation? Well, <laughs> it's creeping tip inflation, and it's it's this expanding net, and that um, one of the things, um, you know, 
There's a professor at UVic who was saying tipping culture has been impacted by the pandemic and the ongoing labor shortage. But at the same time, um, you know, businesses want to be able to keep employees, but some of the businesses that rely on tips or say you're working at a, you know, at a Cobb's bakery or something like that, uh, you're not probably going to be making massive amounts of money. And I wonder if some of these instances or businesses opening up pathways to tips to increase the income of their employees who serve the public, even though these are areas that uh, we're not used to tipping in. And I think they're going to encounter some consumer resistance because the, and the other thing is too, that the, the, if you look at when you go to a restaurant, how they've increased your suggested tips, like it used to be 10%, 12%, 15%, then 12%, 15%, 18%, now 15%, 18%, 20%. Pretty soon we're going to get suggested tip 30%. Wow. And, and, and it's, uh, so, so I think that's another, another issue that's going on. And I, and, and I think consumers are feeling a little bit exhausted from this. And I wonder if it's actually going to affect the number of people who go out to restaurants because you feel this pressure to tip and then do you go out less often? Um, and, and there was a situation in Victoria, which was kind of scandalous where they had this surcharge in the bill that, uh, was to cover employee, um, benefits, you know, like their health plan <laughs> and, and the, uh, I guess basically the, the MSP charges and, the customer, some of the customers didn't even know that they were paying for this. So, you know, I think it's just uh, like everything else, more and more is being foisted on the consumers. I'm curious what you think, though, Minkir, and whether you, where, where do you draw the line? I, I know exactly, Charlie. Like, for me, it's, I think it just doesn't make sense that where you're going in, you're picking something up. Okay, I shouldn't have to tip, but if I'm at a restaurant, I'm getting service and I'm getting good service, then rightfully so. I think, you know, the frustration that a lot of British Columbians are feeling is that, like you said, things are very expensive. The cost of things are. So people can only do so much. Like they want to be able to go out and stuff. But again, there are limits. So we need to draw the line. I also think, Charlie, though, this brings up a really good point of the fact that, you know, should we even have tipping anymore? Should at the end of the day, you know, people, especially who work in the service industries and restaurants, you know, be paid a decent wage? I think that's what we need to be talking about here, Charlie. Yeah. And that's like if you go to France, for instance, the culture is quite different and and they have heavier unionization. But the uh, the tips are, are quite tiny, actually, and because it's embedded into people's wages, and, and they'll work and they'll get a living wage, and um, so there isn't this reliance on on charging the customers so much um, in in a discretionary way because it's not really fair to the servers because you serve one table, you give excellent service, and. and you don't get a tip, and then you don't even know where the tips are going. Sometimes, too, like, is it being divided up with with, with the kitchen staff? Is it um, uh, is the owner taking a slice of the tips? That was a controversy a few years ago at one of the big chains in Vancouver, and there's there's not really a lot of transparency in this area, and that's I think another thing that's kind of troubling because. Like, you don't, 
should the server get it all and none for the cook, you know? Yeah, that's very fair. And Charlie, I was discussing this with uh, Mankaran, and uh, my... Uh my take was that when you look at smaller businesses, family-run businesses, and we do know where bakery products are concerned, everything has gone up. Eggs have gone up 70%, dairy ingredients, chocolate fruits, they've gone up almost 30 plus percent. So I personally, I feel when we're talking about smaller businesses, I could tip them even if I'm collecting something just because, just because they're a small business. Your generous attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it also depends that, you know, the relationship you have with the vendor and you feel, you know, their pain because uh, I, I know my baker who gets me my most delicious cakes and she's from Burnaby, the cake lady. She has not increased her prices very much. And I know the rest of the cost of every ingredient that we're talking about has gone up right from even packaging as well. So... I think a little bit of a tip, and there should be no pressure. I also said that when we're tipping, where the tipping culture is concerned, we need to kind of detoxify ourselves from this pressure of you having to tip no matter what. You need to see the service. You need to see what business you're kind of uh, patronizing and then decide, and then you decide. You, be the, you, you take ownership of how much you need to tip the particular business. Yeah, or, or you tip in the, in the smaller places, but not in the big corporate James. Right. right. Not I the mean, big guys. They got the enough guys. money, Charlie. Yeah, they got enough money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charlie. So really cool story you wrote here about Aruj Aftab. She is returning to Vancouver. Tell us about it. Yeah, she's a very interesting um, performer in that she was, uh, like they, they say, like it's often said, she's the first Pakistani to win a Grammy. Um, she she is a Pakistani her- heritage. She was born in Saudi Arabia. There's about two million people from uh, Pakistan in Saudi Arabia, and and some are in Vancouver actually who've come from they're they're of Pakistani origin and have immigrated to Vancouver, but um, but we're actually in Saudi. So so that's that's our, um, her story, and she's a very um, talented singer and and jazz singer and and kind of these this moody music uh it's very evocative and but she's teamed up with two other superstars um uh in the music world one is a pianist uh vj Iyer, and the other is a multi-instrumentalist shazad ismaili and Iyer is an indian american uh, born in the united states to indian parents and uh, ismaili is a uh, Pakistani American, born in the states to Pakistani parents, and um, and they're both very well regarded scholars and all of this, and so so they formed this trio, and they're going to be at the Vancouver International Jazz Festival in um, I think it's July 26th. I've got the date right, and um, and I think it's going to be you know the flagship event at the at the Vancouver jazz festival this year and it's jazz fest is is downsized a little bit because they lost their tv sponsorship this year so you don't have as many big acts coming in from abroad so so this is one of them for sure and uh so the jazz fest runs actually june 23rd to july 2nd i have the wrong date it's june 26th not july 26th Excellent. And the tickets uh, went on sale yesterday. I don't know if they're sold out by now, but um, oh, yeah, a couple of other things about uh, Arush Aftab that's kind of fun. 
She made uh, Barack Obama's playlist one year, and then last year at Eid, she performed at the White House um, for for Joe Biden and his wife Jill Biden. So she she travels in high circles. Incredible! That's awesome, and I'm surprised that TD moved away from the uh, jazz festival because they've kind of always been there as long as I've been following it. So that that's surprising right there. But Charlie, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. Oh, my pleasure. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye.